Ephesians chapter number 4 and verse number 17. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 17. The Bible said this, I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart who being past feeling, having given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanliness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness, Wherefore put away lying, or put away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that steal or stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that he may minister grace unto the hearers, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed to the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be a kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Brother Ratter, would you pray for us this morning? Oh Lord, yes, speak to that sinner this morning. Yes, God, please speak to them this morning. Amen. You can be seated. Look with us this morning uh, in this text. And I want to draw your attention to verse number 22 where the Bible said that you put off concerning former conversation the old man. And then in verse number 30 or 24, the Bible says, and that you put on the new man. I want to preach this morning on this subject, on the old man is dead. Amen? The old man is dead. You see, when you come to this passage of Scripture here in these verses that we've read this morning, the Apostle Paul here teaches us two important things about the believer's life. First of all, he teaches teaches us in verses 17 down through, the, through the verse number 19 uh, that believers are to avoid an immoral life. Amen. Uh, we're not to live like the Gentiles and we're not to live like the people that are out in this world that are unsaved. Then in verse number 20 down to verse number 32, he teaches us that believers are to adopt a spiritual life. Amen. Uh, the old man is dead and we have a brand new life in the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 17 says this. Uh, uh, therefore if any man be in Christ he is a new creature old things are passed away behold all things are become new I'm glad the old man is dead and we have a brand new life in the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and so Paul here uh, gives a solemn warning in verses 17 through verse number 19 uh, by showing us uh, uh, that the sinner's condition is vain look at verse 17 therefore I, I say 
say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, notice this, in the vanity of their mind. In other words, the emptiness or the confusing of their mind. Uh, my friend, when you think about the lifestyle of a sinner and their condition, uh, the sinner's condition is vain and then the sinner's condition is void. Look at verse number 18. Having the, under, their, uh, having the understanding darkened, amen, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance uh, that is in them because uh, of the blindness or the hardness of their heart. Uh, Paul says to these Gentile believers, uh, uh, there's a solemn warning here and that is that now that you're saved, the old man is dead and you don't need to live like uh, uh, these Gentiles that are unsaved. Their condition is vain. Uh, uh, their conscience is void. Uh, and then he tells us that that sinner's condition is vile in verse number 19. Who being past feeling, having given themselves over to lasciviousness, uh, uh, to work all uncleanliness uh, with greediness. Uh, in other words, uh, uh, they're impure uh, and they have greedy thoughts. Uh, now that's the description of a sinner. You know, there's an idea and a teaching that's going around in our churches today uh, that you can be saved uh, and uh, listen, you can go to church uh, and you can just live the same way after you get saved that you did before you get saved. I'm gonna tell you, friend, that's absolutely not impossible for a child of God. You say, well, hold on, Brother Gravely. Don't you think a sinner, uh, a saint can commit the same sins after he got saved uh, that he did before he got saved? Sure he can, but there's a vast difference, amen? Uh, number one, he's not gonna want to, and number two, if he does fall in that snare, he's not going to enjoy it after he got saved like he did before he got saved, amen? Now, you young people listen to me. There is pleasures in sin. Uh, for If you're born again, God will take you to the woodshed. Uh, he'll put some identity marks on you uh, uh, that let you know that you belong to him. Uh, and if you don't listen to him, uh, he'll take you out of this world uh, and he'll take you on to glory, amen? And so there is a solemn warning here. And then there's spiritual wisdom. When we get to verse number 20, uh, notice here what Paul says, but ye have not so learned Christ. Uh, in other words, uh, uh, these believers uh, had to grow up, amen? They had to learn uh, uh, the life of Christ even more. And when you get to verse number 21, uh, Paul begins to lay some foundational truths here. He's dealt with their wealth uh, in the, the first uh, uh, three chapters. He's given them doctrine, but now he wants to deal with their walk, amen? He wants to deal with their behavior. He wants them to know that being a Christian, uh, not only my friend gives us a calling uh, that we can walk worthy of, uh, but thank God it changes our conduct. Can I get a witness right there? If you're genuinely saved, uh, you'll want to live different. You'll want to act different. You'll want to be different if you're born again. Amen. And so he shows us the teacher and the truth in verse 21. As he says here, if so be, ye have heard him talking about Christ uh, and have been taught by him uh, as the truth uh, is in Jesus. Amen. In other words, uh, uh, listen, he tells them uh, there is spiritual wisdom in following the instructions of our Savior. Amen. You know, we're to pattern our life after the Lord Jesus Christ. As a Christian, our ultimate goal ought to be to be more like him. Not like the world, not like the flesh, and not like the devil but like Christ, the truth. Notice the termination in verse 22 as he said that you put off concerning 
the former conversation or lifestyle, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Now, when you get saved, uh, uh, listen, you have to take off those old things, amen? You have to get rid of the old lifestyle. You have to get rid of the old life. Now, there's a lot of people that, listen, they've never come out of the graveyard, isn't that right? Uh, they say they've been saved. Uh, they say they passed from death unto life, but the problem is uh, they still live like a dead man. They still live like a dead woman. They've never put off the old man. Uh, and so, hey, listen, he's to be terminated. The termination, and then in verse 23, notice the transformation. Uh, as he said, and be renewed uh, in the spirit of your mind. Amen. I want to tell you this morning, when you get saved, the Holy Spirit moves on the inside. He changes the will of the heart, the desire, and he transforms the mind. Amen. Is that not what Romans chapter 12 and verse one said? Paul said, but I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service and be not conformed to this world. Paul's talking about the body there, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How is our minds going to be transformed? I'll tell you how. We're gonna have to saturate our mind in the word of God. God. We'll have to surrender to the Holy Spirit, amen, uh, and let God take that word uh, and transform our mind. Uh, hey, the Bible tells us about that in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 14, Paul said, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures uh, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And Paul said, all scriptures given by inspiration of God and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished uh, unto all good works. You know what the word of God will do? Uh, it will transform your mind uh, into a sound mind uh, and help you to know how to live uh, your Christian life. Isn't that right? And so we see here the spiritual wisdom. We see a solemn warning. But friend, when we get to verse number 24, I want you to notice this here. He said, and that you put on the new man. Put on the new man. He gives us a solemn warning. He gives us spiritual wisdom and he gives us a stunning wardrobe. Thank you, brother. Amen. Even a, even a good mule needs watered every now and then, doesn't it? I appreciate that, brother lady. He gives us a stunning wardrobe. He said, put off the old man in one verse, but when you get to verse number 24, he said him that you put on the new man. Hey, if you're saved, uh, you're a new man in Jesus Christ. Is that right this morning? But don't just sit there. Uh, my friend, even though you may be saved on the inside, that's the responsibility of the Holy Spirit. We cannot clean the inside up. We can't fix the inside, but he can. Isn't that right? But I'll tell you, we have a responsibility, uh, my friend, to take care of the outside. Is that right this morning? Hey, you know where clothes go? They don't go on the inside. Somebody say man, right there. They go on the outside. Isn't that right? And every day, you know what we do? We take off 
the old and we put on the new. Isn't that right? Or at least we should. Somebody say amen right there. If you're still wearing the clothes from yesterday, hey, let me give you some good help. Go home and change. Do us all a favor. Isn't that right? I'm just telling you, put on some new clothes that are clean, that are fresh on the outside. Amen. People are looking at the outside and so we're to put on the new. Well, if that's true in the physical realm, it's also true in the spiritual realm. You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you and I do as well and we're to take off these old garments of the flesh and we're to put on the new garments of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm glad that when God saved us, he didn't just pull us out of the pit, but he made us a brand new creature in the Lord Jesus Christ and we're to put on the new man. Isn't that right? That's our responsibility this morning. He, in verse 24, there's some things that's been provided. As he said, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness, there's some things that are pure there and things that are proven. True holiness has always been proven. I don't care what this liberal modern world says today. You mark it down. It's not my word. It is the word of God. The Bible said, and without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Amen. And the church in this day has become fleshly. She has become worldly. She has committed adultery with this world and she lacks the power of God. If we're going to have revival, we're going to have to be clean vessels fit for the master's use. We're going to have to live right. We're going to have to do right. I'm not telling you that I don't fall short because I do. But there has to be a desire. And we're to practice holiness in our daily walk. Can I get a witness right there. Sanctification is positional, but it's also progressive. And that progressive sanctification is our responsibility this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 19, Paul said, what know you not? That your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own. That's a verse the liberals need to mark down. Well, preacher, why can't I do this? Why can't I do that? Because you're not your own anymore. Amen. And thank God we're not our own. I'm glad he didn't leave us to ourselves. I'm glad, thank God, if we had been left ourselves, we'd go to hell. And there's no pleasures in this world worth going to hell over this morning. I'll tell you, you're not your own wife, for you've been bought with a price. That ought to make every child of God shout. Amen. You've been bought with a price. He said, therefore glorify God in your body first and in your spirit, which are God's. Isn't that interesting? Before we can ever glorify God in the spirit, filled with the spirit, we're going to have to glorify God in our bodies. Amen. We're to present our bodies, uh, my friend, a sacrifice to God. We're to glorify God in our bodies. Uh, Our body ought to be uh, uh, the holy temple of God. Isn't that right? I want to say this morning, there's a new man in verse 24. And when you get to this verse, I want you to see very quickly some things about this new man. Look at verse 25. Notice the new man's carefulness. The Bible said in verse 25, wherefore put away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor for we are members one of another. The only way, my friend, this morning uh, that you and I can put away lying is that we're gonna have to fill our hearts with the truth. Isn't that right? We're to speak the truth. We're to share the truth. We're to stand for the truth. Amen. I mean, we're to uphold the truth. The Bible said uh, to buy the truth and sell it not. Amen. Jesus said, and you shall know the truth uh, and the truth shall make you free. Uh, I'm telling you, listen, if the son therefore shall make you free, uh, 
then you shall be free indeed this morning. Hey, I want to say thank God for the truth of the Bible. Amen. Thank God for the truth of his word this morning. And you and I ought to know the truth. We ought to practice the truth. We ought to operate in the truth of the word of God. Amen. Truth is important this morning. And the Bible said put away lying. Now all liars, the word of God said in the book of Revelation, shall have their part in the lake of fire. My preacher used to say it like this, liars will be friars. Amen. It's not talking about if you've, not, if you've ever told a lie. The Bible said let God be true and every man a liar. Amen. In hope of eternal life, Titus 1 and verse 2, in hope of eternal life which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. God is all about truth this morning. And his children ought to be about truth. You heard the story, I'm sure, about the little boy that went to church and his mother couldn't get him to stop lying. Everything that came out of his mouth was a lie. I think I pastored that little boy, amen. And, uh, you know, he just lied all the time. She'd beat the devil out of him. He'd just keep on lying. Finally, she took him to the preacher one day and she said, I can't get him to stop lying. She said, I've whipped him, I've whipped him, but it just keeps on lying. The preacher was just so fresh out of cemetery, I mean seminary, and so he thought, you know, I'll use a little psychology Christian psychology on this boy and so he set him down in his office and he said son I'm going to tell you a story and I want you to tell me if that's truth or if that's a lie he said okay he said I was walking through the woods one day and he said coming out of big old thicket there was a great big old grizzly bear he said that thing stood about nine feet tall he said its teeth was a, a shining and a growling and he said and on the other side he said there came a little old chihuahua out he said that chihuahua backed up and said he lunged at that grizzly bear. He went right for the throat and said he took him down and he killed him that day. He said, son, he said, do you believe that? He said, I sure do, preacher, because that was my dog. <laughs> I want to tell you something. Hey, some people, they can't quit lying. Every time their lips move, like a lot of politicians, somebody say Amen. They're always lying. But if you're saved, there ought to be some truth about it. Amen. We ought to desire to speak the truth. The new man's carefulness, the new man's conscience. Look at verse number 26. He said, be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Amen. He's talking about his conscience. Amen. Listen, we're not to be angry. We're the Bible said to be angry and sin not. Now, how can you be angry and not sin? The only way to be angry and not sin is to be angry about the things that God is angry about. Amen. We're to be angry about sin. Uh, but when I think about sodomy, it makes me angry. And uh, when I think about, listen, drunkenness and what it does to people, it makes me angry. You can be angry and sin not about the things that God is angry about. That's called righteous indignation. Amen. But in James chapter number one and verse number 19, uh, the Bible says this, wherefore my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak and slow to wrath. Amen. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. There's nothing spiritual about flying off the handle. There's nothing spiritual about balling up our fist and losing our temper. There's nothing spiritual about, listen, being somebody that everybody's got a tippy toe around because they're always afraid they're going to set you off. Hey, the Bible said in Galatians 5 and verse number 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-sufferingness, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, 
temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. And Paul said, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Amen. I'm telling you this morning as a child of God, uh, listen, we ought to not be angry. Can I get a witness right there? You know, some people go to church mad. I know that because I pastored them. I once knew a man. He was always easily aggravated, agitated, angered, quick-tempered. His own family dreaded to see him coming home. His children said that. It's not the testimony of a saved per- or a child. It should never be the testimony of a saved person, but it's sure not the testimony of a Christian. The new man's carefulness, the new man's conscience, and then the new man's concern. Look at verse number 28. Let him that steals steal no more, stole steal no more. But rather let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. He's to be honest, he said, not to steal. He's to be hard working, labor working with his hands. He's to be helpful. Why? That he may have to give to him that needeth. Amen. And that's a person that's in need. But as Christians, we're not always to have our, we're not to be lazy. Somebody say amen. We're not supposed to have our hand out all the time. Isn't that true? We're not, we're not to be looking for a handout as Christians. Uh, uh, we would need to learn to hustle rather than learning to hustle others. Isn't that right? Uh, we're to live a life. Uh, uh, listen, we're not to look for ways uh, uh, to get one up on somebody or to rip somebody off. We're not to steal. Uh, you say, now, Brother Gravely, I've not broken anybody's house and, and I've, not, uh, I've not stolen, uh, uh, listen, broke in and, and taken anything from them. No, but there's other ways of stealing without doing that. Isn't that right? You say, what do you mean? I'm talking about like borrowing and not returning. Is that right? I mean, I I remember one time a man borrowed a $600 sprayer from me. Now, I don't know who was dumber, me or him. Never brought it back. I'm not bitter about it, but I do pray about it. But then he's $600 sprayer. He never brought it back. I reached out to him two or three times and he never brought it back. And you know what I found out later? He sold it. Now I can't tell you, pray for me. I wanted to go spray paint his house, but not. No, I'm just kidding. Kindly. I hope he used the seed. I don't think God ever blessed him for that, whatever he got out of it. But that's, that's stealing, isn't it? Making a debt and not paying it. You know, debts don't sprout wings and fly away. They're still there. Oh, preacher, that was 15 years ago. We'll have enough character to pay the debt. Well, I can't afford it. I don't care if you pay them a dollar a week, pay your debt. Is that right? Dollar a week's better than nothing. Somebody say amen. Even in this economy, it's better than nothing. I'm telling you, pay your debt. That's stealing when you make a debt and you don't pay. Boy, weren't we having a great time this morning? I was in a meeting this week. I walked across the parking lot one night after church. And as I was walking across the parking lot, Brother Laddie, there laid a $5 bill. I thought, thank you, Jesus. $5. And when I picked it up, I noticed it was in a handicap spot. And all that ran through my mind, and I know it was the Holy Spirit, some little old lady or man was getting in their car and that $5 fell out. Pastor was coming out the door. I said, hey, preacher, 
I said, somebody dropped $5, and it was, set, it was in this parking spot right here. And he said, you know, I know exactly who that is. I'll give it to her tomorrow. I'm telling you this, morning, this evening, or this morning, whatever it is, you'll never get ahead taking what doesn't belong to you. Amen. I'm telling you, it's just, they, they ought to be uh, concerned about that. Work an honest day's work. You may not have what other people's have, but it may be the will of God that we have. Just whatsoever state we're in, learn to be content. <coughs> we don't have to have everything. And most of us have more than what we deserve and what we ever would have had anyway. But don't look at somebody else and desire what they have and don't envy them for God being good to them. It may just be that God can trust them more with what they have than what he can us, amen? But just think about what you do have. We have riches that money can't buy. We don't have to steal anything. We've got a heavenly father. He's going to put food on our table. He's going to put clothes on our back. He's not going to leave us to ourselves. We don't have to reach down to the devil's listen dealings to try to, to get ahead in life. We can trust God. We can pray. We can look to him and he will be good to us. Amen. New man's concern. Then the new man's conversation. Look at verse number 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edify, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Our conversation is to be guarded, it's to be good, he said, and it's to be gracious. I want to tell you this morning, it's a sad commentary, but sometimes preachers have dirty mouths. We have to be careful. Shocking to me sometimes. A man will preach and God will use him. You go to the dinner table and sit and hear some of the things that he says, and it's so disheartening. Table talk should always be guarded. It should always be gracious. It should always be godly. It ought to not be a gossip session. Somebody say, man, it ought to not be a place where we run others down and we talk about affairs and things that we have no business. Our conversation, uh, listen, ought to not be corrupt communication. It ought to build up rather than tear down the new man's consecration. Look at verse number 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. We have the person of the Spirit in us, the promise of His seal upon us, the prospect of the Savior before us. How do I keep from grieving God? Surrender your life to Him. Saturate your life in the Word of God and live a simple life. Don't feel good about your spirituality. Stay humble. Is that right? The Bible says, Wherefore He saith, James 4 and verse 6, Wherefore He saith, God resisteth the proud, but He giveth grace unto the humble. Amen. Submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. You double-minded, be afflicted and mourn and weep and let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Then he said this in verse 10, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. I want to tell you in the years of pastoring, this is an astonishing thing to me. I've seen pride And God help me what I'm about to say because I'll say this publicly to you. I deal with pride just like every person deals with pride. And so I tread lightly on what I'm about to say this morning. I've seen pride in worldly people that you pastor. And I've seen it in spiritual people that you pastor. The bottom line is pride will get you no matter which side of the fence you're on. So the truth of the text is this. Every day we have to stay humble. We have to remind ourselves who we are, where God brought us from, 
Real humility, not false humility. You know what the prayer closet does? It reveals how sinful we really are. Being on your knees in that private place, I don't know why anybody would want to brag on their prayer life because we don't pray enough. And anybody that really prays knows this to be the truth. Prayer, if it does anything in your life, it does this. It shows us who we really are. Amen. I want to say this morning, this new man's consecration is to be surrendered to the Holy Spirit, then his contentment. Notice what he said, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. You know that first word, the word let, you know what it means? It means that I'm incapable of doing this verse. So I have to let the one in the verse before it, the Holy Spirit, get that bitterness, that wrath. that I, You can't get bitterness out. I can't, get, I can't get evil speaking out, but I'll tell you the Holy Spirit can. Let all bitterness and wrath. How do you do that? You just surrender and yield to the Holy Spirit every day and say, Lord, <coughs> set a watch before my lips and Lord, help me not to say anything. Lord, <coughs> get that out of my heart. If there's something in my life that, that, that grieves you, then God, let it, let it grieve me. I want to tell you, it's important this morning. I'll never forget one time a, a man went against me in the church. And for 10 months, I'll be honest with you, I thought his plan was going to come to pass. And I remember during that time, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, don't you open your mouth. You just keep doing what you're supposed to do. Can I tell you, there was times that I wrestled with bitterness. And times I wrestled with anger. I would tell God, I would say, Lord, you know and you see, and if you don't stop this, it's not as much about me, but about this church. God, it's going to go under, and the Lord would say to me, you just keep your mouth shut. I'll take care of that. That man got sick years later. Called me to his bedside. He's in heaven this morning. The Bible said, touch not thine anointed. Neither do thy prophet harm. I'm going to tell you, I didn't go to that man's bedside with any pride. I'll tell you, I went there fear and trembling. That, oh God, I'm a man just like him. Lord, help me to not say anything about anyone or against the work of God. I stood there and I thought it could be me laying in that bed. I want to tell you, my heart even today weeps for his family. But this morning, if you and I don't surrender to the will of God, if we don't let the Lord do the work in our life, it could, could bring us down, couldn't it? Then I'll close with this. I see the new man's compassion. Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. The admonishment to be kind, the action, tenderhearted, forgiving. If you don't have a tender heart and you don't practice forgiveness, you won't be kind. And the attitude, Brother Gravely. <coughs> It just don't come natural for me. Don't come natural for none of us. You know how to be kind to somebody? I'll tell you how. The answer's here. Remember that God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. I wrote this down this morning. It's never wrong. It's never wrong to be kind. Do you know that? It's never a sin to show compassion. I want to tell you this morning, showing compassion does not mean I okay people's sin. 
It does not mean that I tell them that what they're doing is okay and it does not mean that I engage in what they're doing. Open rebuke is better than secret love. I'll tell you what compassion is this morning. It's love in action. Amen. It's reaching across the aisle in spite of you. You say, well, if they'll they'll practice some forgiveness, they'll ask, I'll practice it. And I understand what you're saying, but I also know this. Sometimes forgiveness and sometimes mercy and compassion is necessary even when others do not seek it or ask for it. It's just called being a Christian. I'm glad that Jesus showed compassion on me. I'm glad that God was merciful to me. I know this morning, if it wasn't for the grace of God, I know where I'd be at, don't you? I'm telling you, had God in mercy and love not looked down and saw me a sinner and came to where I was, there's no telling what I'd be doing today. There's no telling what shape our home would be in. You saw, but I was raised in church. makes no difference. Do you realize how many people was raised in church today and their life is a mess? That could be you this morning. And as we stand, I want to ask you this question. Is the old man dead? I'm not talking about your salvation this morning. If you're not saved, certainly you need to be saved. I mean, if you put him off. Are you living and walking in the Spirit this morning? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you seeking His will, His way, His walk, His word? Are you walking in that path this morning? Is there something this morning? The preacher don't even have to touch on it, but is there something that the Holy Spirit has put His finger on this morning? That still, small voice.